You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
construction-based careers events, and there's definitely a feeling that heritage construction is a nice to have, something fun and different to engage young people with, rather than something which is a, a key part of our construction um, workforce that needs resourcing. Research also backs up the anecdotal evidence that the professional resourcing of the historic environment is woefully inadequate in a similar way to its practical counterpart. Many mainstream qualifications in built environment subjects, architecture, building surveying, for example, contain little information about historic buildings and rely mainly on individual tutor interest or specific funded projects. Since 2006, we've lost 35% of our conservation officers in local authorities. These officers have long been the safeguarders of our list of buildings in historic areas, <coughs> acting not only as enforcers of good conservation practice, but also offering advice to building owners who may be dealing with their first traditionally constructed homes. The loss of these skills are being felt. So that leaves us with a couple of potential problems. Firstly, not enough craftspeople to meet demand. This is not a big problem for a lot of our grade one, grade two star, really high status buildings. Owners of these properties are usually aware that they are living in a traditionally constructed building. Um, they've built contacts over the years with local craftsmen or craftspeople from across the country who are specialists. Um, but as we look to our wider building stock, particularly those buildings that are unlisted, and bear in mind here, the, of the five and a half million uh, traditionally constructed buildings that we have across England and Wales, only about half a million of those are protected by listing. This does become a problem. Secondly, without enough professionals able to promptly specify, inspect and advise within the historic environment, we run the risk of leading, leading conservation to contractors and developers who either don't know or don't care, not all of them, but some, that traditionally constructed buildings function differently and require a different materials palettes from their modern counterparts. The developers <coughs> can often lack even a basic understanding of what listing means or of conservation philosophy and may have little knowledge of sensitive redevelopment of historic buildings. On small-scale projects, homeowners themselves often have little knowledge of the type of skills they need to procure to look after their building, and this can result in a huge amount of damage to the historic environment. The damage caused by partial demolition of listed buildings is well documented, um, and in fact there is a, uh, a list held on IHBC, the Institute of Historic Building Conservation's website, of fines that have been imposed um, upon people for uh, demolition or partial demolition of listed buildings. Um, and this irreversibly affects the character of the buildings, at times even compromising structural stability to the point that a building that may have been uh, partially changed to have a new use now needs to be entirely taken down because it's no longer viable. Well-meaning inappropriate repairs are also a huge problem. Cement repairs on a line-built structure, for example, can trap large amounts of moisture inside walls and at minimum, this creates a cold, damp atmosphere, which historic buildings are, I would say, wrongly synonymous with, um, whilst also causing damage to stone and brickwork. But ex in extreme cases, this can lead to structural instability as well. This is the picture I like to use to scare homeowners into using the right materials on their buildings. I always put this up with a caveat that it is a earth-bonded structure, and so it's possibly a little less stable than something with a lot of stone in it. But you get the idea of the problems that we're facing. So, what are we trying to do about this? We do have the National Heritage Training Group, 
whose aims include supporting and developing a qualified workforce of contractors, craftspeople, and professionals, and working with federations and others to facilitate training, as well as promoting the need for appropriate skills. There are at least 12 training centres across the UK who provide upskilling for professionals and contractors at entry and intermediate level. This is my one in Lincoln, so that one had to go up. Um, we're a new build centre, we're within an historic environment, which actually gives us a, a unique opportunity to talk about how you can have new development, you can change um, things within historic areas, you can change things within historic buildings, but you've got to think about what you're doing, what materials you're using, are you doing it sensitively. Um, we run courses in particular that are not just open to uh, professionals and contractors, but also homeowners themselves to understand their own properties. And they're supported by trainers from trade and professional backgrounds. So we're working with the people who are working with these buildings day in, day out. And that is the case in quite a few of the training um, centres that we see across the UK. Your nearest one down here would be things like Wheels Endowment and West Dean College, who are right at the top. Of traditional, build, uh, traditional building skills training. Research into these courses that we have, however, has highlight, highlighted that not all areas of building conservation are covered. There may often just be one or two centres across the UK offering certain subjects, and while specialist contractors may be able to justify the travel and time necessary to attend these, mainstream construct, uh, contractors are likely to find that more difficult. This is not a suggestion that all contractors working across every aspect of the built environment require an in-depth knowledge of conservation, but that many would benefit from at least a basic understanding which may enable them to know where they require additional expertise to help them out. Historic England also support upskilling programmes and have authored the Practical Building Conservation Series which provide a resource for those who are specifying and inspecting in the sector. They are expensive but they're well worth it. They are the, the kind of bibles, if you like, of building conservation. The Institute of Historic Building Conservation has taken steps to expand its membership as well to help young professionals and those who work alongside historic buildings as associate, as associate specialists, such as myself, to participate in the organisation and learn from their membership. We are enabling professionals who are looking for information and upskilling to find it. There are specialist apprenticeship and upskill, upskilling of programmes available in traditional construction skills for companies who are able to take on apprentices. However, finding a training provider who is able to assess and accredit can still be tricky. Work done by the NHTG has made this information more accessible, but funding for the National Heritage Training Group became less stable over the last year, putting this resource in jeopardy. Our practical training problems are not solved. A key issue which does flow through most of the research is a lack of engagement with potential entrants in schools, colleges and universities. This applies for professional, technical and practical careers and it's a problem not just limited to heritage <coughs> construction at the moment, but also to the mainstream construction sector. This has prompted the Go Construct project, which is being promoted by the Construction Industry Training Board, or CITB, across the UK and is a fantastic example of an industry coming together to solve its recruitment problem by increasing accessibility to information. By working with the CITB, we have been able to get heritage represented in this tool. The question is, are we also promoting it as a sector? There have been some education projects which have taken heritage skills into schools, colleges and universities, but these are piecemeal across the country. 
subject to funding and rely on the interest of individual teachers, tutors and lecturers. A joined up approach is missing. It is evident that while there are worthwhile training initiatives going on across the country, there is still a gap in the formal training of built environment professionals and contractors. And these don't appear to set to be set to close anytime soon. The entry routes into the sector have become easier to find through the work of NHTD and CITB, but they are still not very well promoted, which does seem odd for a resource which contributes an estimated 2% of our GDP. That's about 5.1 billion in built heritage tourism and 4.1 billion in repair and maintenance of historic buildings. This is not a marginal sector. It is actively contributing to the UK economy. With that in mind, <coughs> questions remain, which I hope can be considered by us, uh, those of us working across the heritage sector. In particular, I'm interested to get a little bit of uh, feedback and ideas from those of us in this room about how we should be resourcing the needs to raise awareness of careers in the historic building conservation sector and the training of new entrants. List of various different logos up on this slide. We've got funders, we've got um, accrediting bodies, we've got um, our government uh, agent for looking after our historic buildings. Who needs to be doing the work to ensure that we're reaching the unconverted potential entrants and not just those who are already aware of the sector? And invariably, the linchpin to ensure that any initiative would be successful, who's going to pay for it? That's all I'm going to say about it, because there's lots and lots of other uh, things going on today. But if anyone's got any questions, comments, I'd be really interested to hear. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.